Hello, this is episode 226 and in it, I'm going to be doing an update to one of year four's most popular episodes and I'll be continuing our celebration of five years of the Get It Right podcast. Now in the last episode, I shared a reboot of the most popular episode from year four of the podcast. It was an episode from season 11 and season 11 was called Interior Design Basics and the episode that I uh, shared a reboot of was my interview with Karen Haller, who is a colour psychologist. Now this was a fantastic conversation all about how colour can enhance our lives in and beyond our homes and about our knowledge of colours and how we respond to them and being able to use that as a vehicle for creating environments that truly suit you and support you as well. Now, if you haven't listened to that reboot of that episode, it's definitely worth checking it out. We've got a full transcript there. We didn't have that last time. So you can grab that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 225. That's the numbers 225. And, uh, and you can grab all of that as you need to. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be talking more about choosing colours for your home and sharing some of my tips for doing this based on hundreds and hundreds of homes that I've done, I've chosen colours for over the years that I've been doing uh, this kind of work and also, of course, how I've chosen colours for my own home. Now, I've got a full transcript of this episode available as a free PDF download and I've also included links to resources that I'll be mentioning in this episode. Plus, um, there's going to be lots of things that will, you know, be best supported by actual images and photographs. So, I'm putting all of those inside the PDF download as well and you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 226. That's the numbers 226 for episode 226. Um, There's going to be lots of helpful information in that PDF download. So be sure to grab it. You can then file it away and you can review it as you need to. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014. And it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home. One that works for you now and into the future one that is sustainable and affordable and that helps you live a great lifestyle both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, 
and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan and that's project plan spelled p-r-o-j-e-c-t-p-l-a-n that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop and now let's get on with the episode here we go Whether it's for your interiors or your exteriors, choosing paint colours for your home and your colours generally, it can feel like a huge decision. In some ways it is, you know, depending on your home, it can be a really big undertaking to paint and to repaint it, especially if it's the exterior and you have ladders and scaffolding involved, uh, or it's your interiors and you've got high ceilings, difficult spaces to get to. Paint though, it can be one of the simplest and the most transformative ways to change the look and the feel of your home both inside and out. And it can be something that you can regularly change if you wish far more easily than the materials of your exteriors and interiors. My mum's actually a big believer in this. Uh, You know, in the house that I grew up in, she would paint and repaint it inside and out a lot. My mum worked full time and she'd often come home, she'd sort out dinner for us and then she'd get herself up a ladder to paint until very late at night. Sometimes these changes that she'd make were big dramatic changes in colour and sometimes it was more subtle. People in the neighbourhood would often laugh at how they get a shock to see the outside of our home looking so different. If they hadn't been paying attention then all of a sudden they'd not actually know that they were at the right house. Now my mum is still like this, she's in her 70s and she's still painting her home. Uh, to create an entirely different look and feel to it. She's uh, she's always said to me, you know, it's only paint and it's only one weekend's work and, you know, she's been bra- quite brave with colour as a result in the way that she's painted the interior and the exterior of the homes that she's owned. This is the thing, you know, the spectrum of colour that we can choose from in our lives and in our homes, it's huge. There, You know, if you go to any hardware, you will see a wall of hundreds and hundreds of different colours that you can choose from and you're only scratching the surface of what's available when you look at that because there are literally thousands and thousands of colours to select from when choosing what colour to paint your interiors and your exteriors with. Yet, When we drive the streets and the neighbourhoods and we look around at most homes, you know, most of them, they're white, grey, a version of some kind of muted tones, both inside and out. And, you know, we're really generally these days choosing monochromatic tones or quite muted natural tones for our home's exteriors. I I think that we do that because paint can feel like a big commitment, you know, and it's uh, for a lot of people who live very busy lives, painting is not something that they want to be redoing anytime soon and so we can tend to choose safe colours that don't seem too directional and that we think that we'll be able to live with long term. However if you did listen to my conversation with Karen in the last episode or you've read her book The Little Book of Colour you'll know what she says about blacks, greys and whites and I know that I've definitely been more aware of my colour choices and really interested to pay attention to when I choose black, grey or white generally. In fact, at the time of recording this episode, it's a few days before Christmas and I'm sitting here, (laughs) I'm wearing an all grey outfit, literally a dark grey t-shirt and some light grey shorts. So I'm clearly needing some zoning off, you know, during this time of year where we've got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Now, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, make sure you do go back to the previous episode. You'll hear what Karen says about greys and whites and blacks and what they say about you and where you're at personally and why you might want to have those colours around you. 
The Dulux colour forecast, though, for the last few years, they've told an entirely different story about colour. And it's been really interesting as we've lived through these super unusual times in lockdown and we've been spending way more times in our homes than we're used to. The colours that are being put forward in the colour in the Dulux colour forecast, they've actually been really rich tones, much stronger and bolder. And the Dulux imagery that they they present to highlight these colours and the ways that the ways that they can be put together in the schemes that they have, it really celebrates this gorgeous range of colour combinations. Now, in season eleven, I actually spoke with Andrea Lucina Orr from Dulux. She heads up the team that puts together the uh, annual colour forecasting each year. So, if you haven't listened to that episode, please do check it out. I'll pop a link in the podcast resources for you. It's really great to hear about how they come up with them, why they come up with them, what they actually do, and the process they go through, and how they really seek for those colour forecasts to be representative of the feelings and the experience of the time that we're in and that that colour forecasting is created for. So how about you? Are you feeling that you're going to be brave with colour when it comes to your home's interior and exterior and choose some bolder, some stronger, really rich tones? Or are you feeling that you want a more monochromatic palette or some subtle muted colours that are softer and more discreet? I'm going to share with you seven tips now to help you choose colours for your home and to think about how you're going to arrange them as well, whether it's for your interiors or your exteriors. So let's dive right in. Tip number one is review what your home's form or your personal preferences actually tell you about how you want your home to look and to feel. I really believe that the colours of a home actually further enhance and support the architectural style and design of the home. So have a think about this as you're designing your new home or renovation. I'm going to illustrate with some examples. Now, do you want your home to look grounded and solid and heavy for it to appear as a strong form that's actually anchored to the ground? I'd suggest then that you choose a darker colour or a bolder colour for the base of your home so that it can help it feel solid and grounded. Are there any parts of the home that you want to stand out more? Then paint them in a contrasting colour to the main house so that you can help them be more prominent. This can be particularly important when you're using wall projections to create, for example, that wraparound look in a contemporary home where, for example, you might have the roof form folding into the wall. Unifying those kinds of elements with colour and then thinking about where that colour will stop and start, that becomes really important to get that architectural design element working visually. Are there any parts of the building that feel a bit bitsy piecey or piecemeal? You know, if you want to unify these elements together, then choosing one colour to, to do across all of them, that can really help them seem bigger and also less cluttered. And that can draw their association with each other together, which can be really helpful. Then are there any things that you want to be more discreet or more concealed? If so, then use colour to do this too. Dark colours actually recede in that they can be much less visually prominent than light colours when they're used in a particular way. So if we use, you know, for example, dark pool fencing, then that disappears from view when we're looking through it. I always review the selection of the garage door colour and the wall around it with this in mind. And that's also part of anchoring the home to the ground as well. That sort of feeds into this too. So You'll find that many double car garage doors will be 4.8 metres or wider. And so they can be a really big presence on your street facade. So I actually personally like to paint the walls around the garage door. So the garage, you know, the external garage walls themselves in the same colour as the garage door. So that the presence of the garage door itself 
isn't so visually strong, but it's actually integrated into the overall aesthetic appearance of the facade by combining it with the walls around it. Now, garage doors themselves, they usually come in a fixed range of colours depending on what you're specifying and the brand that you're using. So I recommend that you choose the garage door colour first and then you can choose a wall colour to match based on the garage door colour. Also think about whether you want the home to have a particular aesthetic or appearance. Now, I'm not one for talking in specific styles, but if you are drawn to a specific style, for example, like Hamptons or Coastal, or you want your home to appear edgy and contemporary, then pay attention to the colours that you're seeing on homes like this. Each of these styles, they can generally have a particular colour association as well that can be useful to tap into. Now, as a side note, have a listen to my episode in season nine of the podcast. If you are talking about your home in reference to style names, if you're saying I want a Hamptons home or I want a Scandi home, talking like this about the style of your home can actually get you into serious trouble and it can cause lots of issues with your design team if you don't do it right. So that episode in season nine is going to be really helpful for you. I'll pop a link uh, in the podcast resources so you can grab it. You can find all the podcast resources at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 226. Now you can paint a home regardless of its architectural style in a particular colour scheme and that will really help it have a strong aesthetic that's more aligned with your personal preference. So this is why you'll see old Queenslanders for example, uh, you know they'll paint old Queenslander cottages in dark colours uh, and blacks and dark greys, they're often associated with you know more edgy modern buildings and so when you see them used on a traditional Queenslander you can help it have a more contemporary feel. And I'll pop some images into the podcast resources to show you this. So download the PDF transcript to see those images. Now, it can be the same for your interiors as well, but often in reverse. You know, for a long time, bold, strong colour schemes, they actually seemed much more traditional when you'd have these richly decorated rooms in older styled homes. And for the longest time, our interiors have actually been mostly white or very muted tones. However, we're now seeing these bold and rich colours coming back into the into strength and being used in more contemporary interiors, especially with the colour forecasts that we've seen over the past few years. And again, I'm going to pop some links into the PDF transcript for this episode to show you some of the imagery from the colour forecasting. Really useful resource for you if you're looking for inspiration for your interiors and you want to have something that's richer and stronger or even just more colourful generally. You know, I see homeowners just assume that they're going to paint the entire interior of their home in one colour. And I often think that this is done for cost reasons as well, you know, and also because our homes are much more open plan. One of the biggest challenges that you can have with any colours that you're choosing on your home, be it on the interior or the exterior, is where you choose to stop and start them. And so that leads me to my next tip. Tip number two is to choose where you change colours. For interiors, as I said, many just determine three colours. They, they choose three paint colours. So there'll be a colour for their walls, there will be a colour for their ceiling, which will be usually vivid white or ceiling white, and then there'll be a colour for the woodwork uh, of the doors, the skirtings and the architraves. Sometimes that can even be exactly the same colour as the walls, but it's just in a different gloss level. So choosing where you change colours may not be a consideration that you're making for your interiors. However, for exteriors though, it's really rare these days that homeowners choose just one colour for their entire house exterior. So when it comes to your house exterior, I want you to think of your home's form with a base, a middle and a top. 
Now, the proportions of the home, both single and double storey, they can often be read as base, middle and top. And a very straightforward way to think about your external colour schemes is to arrange them this way as well. So, for example, by accentuating the top or the roof of your home in a strong contrast colour, you can give your home a top that is visible and prominent. As you look around at other homes, see how their form has actually been broken up into base, middle and top. You'll see a lot of contemporary homes still do this as well, although their top may not be accentuated at all, especially if they don't have a roof that's expressed with eaves. A more traditional uh, looking home and styles like Hamptons that actually take their cues from historical design, they'll have a roof that's like a hat that has eaves on it. And to accentuate this, it'll usually be strongly contrasted as a top to the home um, with different colours, different material choices so that it's really clearly articulated in its form. Now, when it does come to changing colours and where to do it, on the on whether it's on the inside or the outside of your house, my suggestion is to avoid changing colours on an external corner. So an internal corner, by contrast, that's where the walls run into each other. So say on the inside corner of a bedroom or another room, an external corner is where the corner is actually exposed as the outer edge, say on the outer corner of a house. Or of course, this happens inside your home where walls are changing direction in hallways or around the outside of a room. Now, changing colours on an internal corner, it can be really, it just is much easier to do because it's hard to see into the corner where the colours will meet and see whether the, the line between the colour changes is actually clean and straight. You know, you have to do a pretty bad job to change colours on an internal colour scheme, on an internal corner and for that to be done badly. A good painter can do a very clean line on an internal corner and get those changes of colours to work really well. By contrast, it's difficult for any painter to finish an external corner in as neatly a way. And, you know, often then the cleanliness of the line between two colours on an external corner will be really visible and exposed and very difficult to get very straight and clean. And on a house exterior, you might be actually painting over different kinds of materials or materials that are textured. So you'd be painting over render or lightweight cladding. And so it's very difficult to have a perfectly straight, clean edge to paint up against on an external corner on the outside of a house. Now, in addition to this, and this goes back to my first tip about what the form of the house actually tells you about where colours need to be and what colours to choose. You know, a home at the end of the day is a three-dimensional object and the forms or shapes that make it up, they're three-dimensional objects as well. So in my opinion, when you actually start to change colours on an external corner, this is so this is where that corner pushes out rather than recedes in, you actually break down this idea of three-dimensional shapes and masses and forms that make up your home into more two-dimensional planes and surfaces. The paint colour then, it becomes more like a skin on the building when you change it on the external corners rather than a tool to actually help the three-dimensional form be expressed, which is what happens when you wrap that colour the whole way round into an internal corner and then that's where you change colour. Now, this may sound like strange architectural speak using words like forms and shapes, planes, surfaces, mass, internal corners, external corners, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I know that the way that I approach designing homes is that I create volumes, you know, that have they have edges and they have shape and three-dimensional form. I'm not just creating a plan that I'm tilting, tilting surfaces up on. So when I think about the home in three-dimensional forms and shapes, I also think about the colour in three dimensions. And how the colour can actually accentuate the three-dimensionality of the home both internally and externally. 
So if you want to see some examples of this, make sure that you head to the free PDF transcript that I've got for this episode um, and download, download the PDF. I've got some links that will show you some of these ideas, some photos of, of projects that I can show you there. And you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 226. Let's move on to my next tip, which is tip number three, trends do change. So if you're choosing a colour that you think you'll get sick of, apply it where you can access it easily. So as I said up front, painting your house can be a big undertaking. And when you're getting it done professionally, it can be costly and it can be quite disruptive as well, especially if you're getting it done whilst you're living there. And with current paint technology, you can get 10 years sometimes more from your paint finish. So it's understandable that you want to Invest in something that you're going to get the full use from before you need to worry about repainting it. Now, if you're wanting to bring in some colour and you're worried about repainting or you're worried about getting sick of it down the track, then locate the colour where it's contained and it's really easy to repaint it if you do get sick of it. I think this is one of the reasons that front doors have become such a colourful addition on homes over the past few years. You know, painting your front door a particular colour, it's a great way to bring colour into your home. It's accessible. You can do it yourself in a couple of days. It can be a fun way to transform the look of your home on the outside. If you bring that colour into the inside of the home as well, uh, onto the inside face of the door, then it can help start to transform the interior as well. And if you get sick of it, a well-spent weekend and a tin of paint can totally change the look of your home. Now, I actually have a blog post called Nine Things to Know About Your Front Door. It's a great resource uh, when considering the design of your home's entry and the things to pick the, to think about and, and also in choosing what kind of front door you'll have and the design of your front door. So I'll pop that, a link for that in the resources for this episode, um, which you can grab at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 226. Now, in that blog post, my ninth thing to know about your front door was actually about colour. And I wrote this. I said... When I lived with a friend in Surrey Hills, Sydney, during my uni degree, we were in a two-storey terrace house in a row of terrace houses. And every so often, she would change the door colour by giving it a new, coat of, a new coat of paint or two. And sometimes I wasn't aware this was happening. And so I'd come home from work or from university and I'd walk straight past our place <laughs> because I hadn't realised she'd changed the door colour. Now, door colour has been a a place of great experimentation over the past few years. With many homes using monochromatic colour schemes, the door colour has then been seen as a way to add personality and vibrancy. And it's a smaller area to paint, as I said, should you get tired of it down the track. It's fantastic to see, you know, we've got yellows and pinks and greens and blues, all the colours of the rainbow. And I really do think that it adds some joy to the front of the home as well. There's a few things that I want to mention if you are thinking about doing this. So number one is think about how much of the door that you'll paint in colour. Do you want to bring that colour inside the door as well? Or will you need to figure out how to terminate the colour of the door on an edge and then potentially paint your architraves and skirtings in a different colour so they don't need to continue inside as well? Number two is check the manufacturer's warranty of your door. If you're using a new door, some brands actually won't warrant a door that's painted a dark colour. So check how they define dark in their terminology and ensure that you're not going to have issues with the door's performance long term and uh, any warranty should the door start to fail. Number three is to test the colour before you commit. So natural light, uh, both, you know, natural light during the day and then electric street lighting at night and your own home's lighting at night, that can do really strange things to colours, especially strong ones. So I recommend that you do test the colour and that you ensure that you paint your tester the same way that it's recommended to paint the door, which is generally going to be a base primer and then two coats. 
And number four is you also want to test whether you want matte or satin or gloss finish to your paint. Painting a front door in gloss and getting a great result takes skill and it may not be a DIY job for you if you do want a gloss finish on your front door. Now, it doesn't have to be your front door that you might choose to change or include a bright colour. You know, similarly, you might decide to pick up colours in your landscaping with built elements there. You might have low landscaping walls. They can um, be great when they're done in stronger colours. Now, internally, we've been through a time and we've still got many doing it where feature walls are painted in a strong colour. So it might be the wall behind the bed head or the single wall of the living room. You know, this can be a balanced way to express your colour preferences without committing to a whole room and having something that you can easily replace um, and repaint should you need to. And, you know, there's also fun examples of people actually choosing colours for their ceilings and treating it like a fifth elevation of their room rather than simply going with white. And that can be a really great way to explore colour in a space as well. Let's have a look now at how you can tie together your colour selections from exterior to interior with my next tip. And that's tip number four, create a flow between inside and outside. Many homeowners actually tell me that they want this feeling of flow in their homes and of calm and relaxation. And so one surefire way to do this is to review the colours that you choose for your home's exterior and interior. If you can choose a similar colour palette for both the exterior and the interior, that's going to help your home feel connected between the inside and the outside. And it's going to help create that seamless flow as you move from inside to outside and create a sense of calm and continuity that really begins the moment somebody or you arrive at your front door. Now, if your external colours are too strong to use internally, then consider using a half or quarter strength version when you bring it inside. They'll be from a similar palette and that's going to work really well for you as well. This is the thing with choosing materials, products, fixtures and finishes for your home, including your paint colours. I really do suggest that you create material palette boards and you sit all of your finishes and fixtures and colours and all of the products that you're choosing all next to each other. You don't want to look at your exterior colour scheme in isolation to your interior colour scheme. Having them all sit together and see how they work holistically is really critical to you making sure that you've got it right. And if you're choosing a strong or a bolder colour, then see where you can, you know, actually bring that through your exterior and your interior schemes so that you can create this connective thread that really enhances that sense of flow overall. Now, it doesn't just have to apply to colour. You can actually, you know, do this with materials or textures as well. And that leads me to my next tip, which is tip number five, is that I don't want you to forget about the materials and the textures that you have available in your palette and that you might be choosing. We often do forget that there's the opportunity to use natural materials and their inherent colours as part of the colour palette for our home's exterior and interior. So when it comes to your exterior, this doesn't actually have to be in the way that the home's physically built. You know, you don't feel that you have to choose metal cladding or brickwork or timber or tile in order to be able to access a natural material palette and the benefits it might bring to your colour scheme. Your landscaping, for example, the materials that you're using there, they're a really underestimated powerhouse in how you can lift the whole colour scheme and the palette for your home. It could be that you choose a natural tile for your, you know, your front door pathway or your front door landing, or you could, again, create low landscape walls that might be in a great brick colour or breeze block or something like that, or even just have a natural timber fence. Alternatively, you could choose to commit to something larger for your home itself. You may choose some metal cladding for part of your home or you may select an area of timber panelling or a feature panel of brickwork or concrete or something similar. You know, all of these things provide an opportunity to enrich a really simple exterior colour palette. 
internally, there are so many options for choosing natural materials and there can be a lot more flexibility as well because these materials aren't having to survive exposure to the elements like they do on the outside of your home. I'm seeing people have fun also with bringing exterior products that are normally used outside, actually bringing them inside the home. It might be that they have exposed brickwork or blockwork feature walls or large areas of timber cladding, uh, timber ceilings, even bringing weatherboard or fibre cement sheeting inside the house as well. Now, whenever you're using materials like this, please ensure that you check the manufacturer's specifications for any notes that they have about the location of the installation, the finish, the maintenance requirements, how you're supposed to clean it, you know, any details about fixing and the protection overall. Because if you don't install products as per the manufacturer's specification, regardless of where you're installing them, you'll actually void the warranty. I see lots of online renovators, unfortunately, with very large followings, using particular products in applications they actually aren't warranted by the manufacturer. And it's, you know, it's crazy because they're often in brand partnerships with these manufacturers as well. It's the strangest thing. And the manufacturer knows that they're doing it, but the manufacturer doesn't seem to mind so much. I've actually had conversations with some of these brands. I'm like, do you realise that those people are not installing that product according to your specifications? And they're like... Well, we're getting traffic, we're getting inquiries and then they hopefully then deal with the issues around its incorrect installation at that point. I hope that they do. It's why I'm warning you because you can't just copy what you're seeing online because it's not always being used correctly. So it's in your interest to ensure that all the products that you use for your home and the way that you use them is actually fit for purpose and that it doesn't void the warranty that that product has. Otherwise, you can get into serious trouble for yourself. Now, that leads me on to my next tip, which is this. Tip number six, examine the sustainability credentials of any paint or material that you're planning on choosing. Now, paint can be a huge source of volatile organic, organic compounds or VOCs in your home. So this will be at the time of painting, but it'll also be on an ongoing basis as you use your home and you're living, you're living in it and these materials and these paint finishes off gas into your interiors on a regular basis. Now, the VOC content of paint, it's actually something that you can find out from the manufacturer. It's usually in the material safety data sheets or on the manufacturer's website. You know, there are many, many brands now available that explicitly have low VOC content as well. And we're also, you've got natural paints that will create a different finish to the paints that you're most likely used to seeing, but actually have no VOCs in them. Now, in season 11 of the podcast, I actually interviewed Joshua Plouts, who's the interior products technical manager for the Dulux Group. We discussed this very topic so that you can understand, you know, Josh talked about how the chemical composition of paint actually creates different results in drying times and elasticity and all of these kinds of things. And so that means that they do keep some VOCs in synthetic paints versus how those synthetic paints might perform compared to the no VOC content of natural paints and what that's going to mean for you know, your durability and your appearance and all of those kinds of things. So if you're someone who does have sensitivities, if you've got respiratory issues or allergies or specific health conditions, you know, the quality of your indoor air is going to be really important for your overall well-being in your home. And even if you're not aware of any sensitivities or you feel you don't have any, you know, that new paint smell that goes on for a long time, it's not a great thing for our general health. And you you might not be aware, you might be dismissing something as, um, as, you know, a mild kind of ailment or just part and parcel of living a very busy full life, but your indoor air quality is actually contributing to you feeling that way. So 
Brands like Dulux and Rock Coat, they do have some options for low or no VOC paints. Um, Benjamin Moore is now available in Australia. That's a US paint that's got lots of options as well. Um, and Porter's Paint, it's got a huge range of natural paints. There's lots of um, brands out there. So do do your homework when you're making your selection if this is something that's important to you and make sure you specify your paint type by brand name and type when you're uh, putting it into your documentation. Don't just choose a colour. Um, don't don't choose a colour out of one paint brand and get it to match in another. You know, actually look at how you're going to specify this paint so that you can be really specific in your documentation for your project. Now tip number seven is to choose for you when you're choosing your colours. So in season 11 of the podcast, again, I had a fantastic conversation with Jessica Belloff, which goes across uh, two of the later episodes in the season. Jessica's a stylist and an author. She was former head stylist at Temple and Webster, and she actually wrote an incredible book called Individual. Individual journeys to 15 truly unique homes that are authentic reflections of the people that inhabit them, from an art-filled city terrace to a magical seaside shack and a 1970s era palace in the Burbs. It's packed full of practical actionable tips and Jessica has a brilliant way of giving you how-tos that are achievable regardless of the size or type of your home and whether you would call yourself stylish or not. Now in individual Jessica writes and I'll quote a showroom is no place to live it's like the set of a play a showroom isn't a personal space in which to be it's no place for the tangle of layered memories and the mercurial nature of daily life. I was highlighting quotables throughout this entire book, including this one that I just read to you, nodding my head and silently agreeing with the messages of how to make your home a creative, livable and authentic representation of how you and your family lives. And I have many homeowners who tell me that they really struggle to see themselves in the glossy images that we're bombarded with when we're planning our renovation or our new home. I know that I personally, I look at loads of images and I think, oh, wow, that's gorgeous or, oh, my gosh, that looks stunning. And then it's very quickly followed by, oh, my kids would destroy that or we could never keep it that clean or my personal objects and my family photos and all the little bits and pieces that we've collected over the years, they'd never find a home in that interior. It would just look strange. So Jessica's book and her outlook on design and styling your home to authentically suit you, it's actually a really great guide and inspiration if you're feeling like you need some help in that area. This is the thing about your home. We tread this line of this financial and emotional conversation and decision making with ourselves. Now, of course, our home's an asset. It's usually our largest one. And the money that we're spending on renovating and building it, it's usually one of the largest expenses that we undertake. You know, resale and not overcapitalizing that all becomes a factor in our decision making and that can prevent us from making choices that we think are too directional or might be alienating to future buyers. Along with this, we all want to belong. It's a really core foundational human need and we want to be thought of well. And so that can impact our choices as we might choose things that we know will be on trend or of a desired style or appearance that perhaps others will find pleasing. Now, don't get me wrong. You can do all of this whilst choosing things that you like and love, but you might find that you're holding back a little or you might be going a little bit more mainstream. If you do have an underlying or an even unconscious bias to think about how your home might be perceived by others as you're making these selections for yourself. Now, emotionally, our homes are super personal. They're the container for a hugely personal life that we only share with those that we hold most personally dear. And so that personal view and how we might want our home to show and reflect our personal view, that can be really challenging to get a handle on. 
it is much easier just to go with the flow, to choose what everybody else is having, to stay mainstream. You know, you'll actually probably find that you have more product options to choose from. It'll, it might even seem that you have more availability that suits sticking to the norm. And if your personal expression of your personal style and personality aligns with that, then all power to you. If that's where you're at, you are sorted and that's totally good. However, what I see instead for homeowners is this, is that bringing our own personality into our personal design choices, it can actually take a lot of work. Firstly, it takes the work to understand what it is, you know, to really dig in and assess with intentionality what you like, what you don't like and what uniquely suits you and your lifestyle to take all the layers off and really get to know that about yourself. That takes work. You know, to determine how you really want to live and what type of home you'll need to create as a result. That all takes time and you've got to really review and really analyse through the detail and the days of your life and that of your family to really nut that out for yourself. It can also take bravery if you find that your personality and your aesthetic preferences feel like they're not aligned with what's on trend. Or if you feel that your style is eclectic and it's not necessarily anchored to one particular style or preference overall. Our emotional attachment to the things that we surround ourselves with, that can also make this whole exercise super challenging. You know, Marie condoing your life, it's not for everyone. You may have huge sentimentality attached to objects in your life that just end up being at odds with the finished home that you envisage in your mind's eye. And so then you're figuring out how you're going to accommodate them as you refresh the overall look and feel of your home and your lifestyle. You know, all of that can be super tricky. This all comes into play when we not only choose the colours for our home, but we're making every other choice as well. And plus we're living at a time where we're not just choosing between one or two things, we're generally choosing between thousands and thousands of things. So no wonder it gets so overwhelming. And by the time I find people are actually at the point of choosing the colours they want, They're often limping to the finish line, having already made thousands and thousands of choices and they're totally exhausted and spent. So I really encourage you to think about your colour choices whilst you are still designing your home. Discuss them with your team so that they can be incorporated into their design ideas. I've had, for example, whilst we were still at briefing stage, you know, homeowners have shown me a favourite painting that they loved um, that then guided all of their colour and material selection. Uh, there might have been a piece of driftwood that they brought home from uh, the beach from a particularly fantastic holiday that they had that was really special. Or it might be an heirloom that they've had in their home for ages. You know, inspiration for the colours, the palettes, the, the, the materials, the types of things that we want to aesthetically surround ourselves with in our home, it can come from the strangest of places. I've actually discovered I've got this T-shirt that I absolutely love the colour of. And it's fast becoming the foundation of the colour palette that I'm looking at for our place. I've no idea how to describe this colour. Even if I did, um, it would be totally subjective to how you see it because we all see colour really, really differently to each other. I really encourage you though, don't just go to white or grey as the obvious choice for yourself. Have a go at embracing colour, even if it's in small amounts. Remember to put all of your feet, all of your finishes, all of your fixtures, your colours, your materials, everything for your exterior and your interiors, put them all together. Just lay them all out on a table for yourself and preferably on a white background. If you can lay down some big sheets of white paper, that's really helpful. 
uh, buy some white cardboard or something like that, lay all of those finishes, fixtures and colours together, all the paint swatches and everything like that and see how it works as a complete scheme for you both your exterior and your interiors so that you can see how your whole home is going to work holistic, holistically together. It's a really powerful and important thing to do as you're nutting these things through for yourself, okay? And please don't choose for others, choose for you. All right, so I'm going to wrap up now. I just want to summarise by reminding you of my seven tips for choosing colours for your home's exterior and interior because we've covered a lot of ground here. So these are my tips. Number one, review what your home's form and your personal preferences tell you about how you want your home to look and feel before you go about choosing your colours. Number two, choose where you change the colours and avoid changing them on external corners, especially where there's a change of material as well. Number three is trends do change. So if you're choosing a colour that you think you'll get sick of, apply it where you can access it easily. Your front door is a really good place and we spoke through some things about that. Number four, create a flow between inside and outside by creating continuity in your selections. Make sure you put your whole exterior and interior colour schemes together as a total palette so you can see how they work and how they create that connection. Number five is don't forget other materials and textures in your palette. They can be a really simple way to add dimensionality to your palette overall, really enrich it and lift it without you having to find extra paint colours to throw into the mix. Number six is examine the sustainability credentials of any paint or material that you're choosing and know what you're choosing and how it's going to impact the quality of life that you live in your home. And number seven is choose for you when choosing your colours so that you can create a home that is not only personal but also shows your personality. Now that's it for episode 226 and my update on one of year four's most listened to episodes on the Get It Right podcast. Make sure that you tune into our next episode. I've actually got a really special surprise coming your way. I can't share much more about it with you, but except to say it's it's going to be great. All right. So uh, it's not a reboot of Year Five's most popular episode. I'm actually going to put that on hold for a little bit because with the timing of these episodes being published, there's some information of a timely fashion that I want to share with you um, that's going to come live on the podcast instead in the next episode. So I look forward to kicking that off with you next week. It's going to be really awesome. All of the links for this episode plus the full PDF downloadable transcript uh, that has all of, you know, I've got project images and things like that in there for you to see lots of visuals to go with the content from this episode. You can find all of that at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 226. That's the numbers 226. So make sure you go to that link. You can then um, pop in your email address. We'll shoot you through the PDF and you can save it off. It's got lots of extra links in there as well and you can have it there to review as you need to. I know that's all going to be super helpful information for you. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. 
Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning, to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.